We have a nice crowd this morning. Thank you for being here. If you are a visitor, we're very thankful that you are with us and hope you'll find that these services are according to God's will. The things I have to say for you this morning come from the scriptures and follow them, for that is my desire. Thanks, Riley, for reading there. He sort of set up the lesson and that he talked about some of the prophecies of Jesus as he approached his time of death. We're going to spend some time this morning talking about in the shadow of the cross. There were many people there at the cross. They had different opinions of Jesus. They had different opportunities of knowing him or not knowing him. And we're going to use some of of these people in the scriptures to talk about people in general and how we approach the Lord and how some people accept the Lord and other people reject the Lord. They're all found in these that are around around the cross. I want to start the lesson this morning by setting the scene. Now as they led him away, they laid hold of a certain man, Simon a Cyrenian, who was coming from the country. And on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. And a great multitude of the people followed him, and women who had also mourned and lamented him. A great multitude of people. This was not just Jesus and soldiers and a couple of thieves that were going out and being crucified in Calvary. No, Jesus had been for a better part of a week or maybe more in and out of the city of Jerusalem and he had been preaching and teaching. He had been healing. People were following him. People knew who he was. He was a superstar. They knew about Jesus. Some hated him. And some loved him. But as the scripture says, there were a lot of people there. Maybe they were just curious. But they went out to Calvary to to see Jesus. They were at the cross and in its shadow. There were also two other criminals led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and one other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. So it wasn't just Jesus that went to the cross that day, but there were two other malefactors, as the the, uh, King James Version says. They were thieves. And they were there, the three of them were to be crucified and put to death. And there were a lot of people there watching. And Jesus looked out and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And the people stood looking on. But even the rulers that were with them sneered, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine. Sour wine is wine that's been exposed to the air long enough to have some vinegar in it. And saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourselves. And as an inscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew, this is the king of the Jews. Now what I would like to do is take the people that were surrounding the cross, and the first person we're going to talk about is Pilate who wasn't, probably didn't go down to the cross, but he certainly was in the shadow thereof. 
and take these people, and in my mind, and hopefully you will see the uh, analogy there of how these people are compared to the people in general in the world. So let's talk about Pilate. There are lots of people in this world that want to stay neutral as far as Christianity. If you come up to somebody and you start talking to them about their beliefs in Christianity, it's whoa. You can believe what you want to believe, and these people believe it. I'm just being neutral. I don't care exactly what you believe, and I'm just going to stay out of it. That was Pilate. You remember how that Pilate really didn't want to have the trial in the first place? He told the Jews, says, you've got laws, you take care of it. They said, well, we can't because we want to kill him. And to kill him, it required permission from the Roman government. That was one of their specific, that was one of the things that they said and did to those they had conquered. They couldn't put people to death without their permission. So they came to Pilate. Pilate said, well, you take care of this. No, we can't because we want to kill him. Well, as soon as he started talking with Jesus, he found out he was a Galilean. And he said, great, Herod's here, he's in town. I'll send him over to Herod and let Herod take care of it. I don't have to do anything. I can stay totally neutral. So he sent him over to Herod. The scripture said that Herod was really pleased to see him because he thought he was going to see some miracles. And when it was obvious that wasn't going to happen, he sent him back to Jesus. I mean, sent him back to Pilate, sent Jesus back to Pilate. Well, Pilate didn't know exactly what to do, so Pilate had him scourged, he had him beaten, he had him uh, tortured with the idea that that would suffice and that would take care of it as far as the Jewish leaders were concerned, it would be enough. Well, it wasn't. So now what does he do? Pilate then went out again and said to them, Behold, I and bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to them, Behold the man! Therefore, when the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! It wasn't going to be enough just to beat him. Pilate said to them, You take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. I am going to stay neutral. In John 19 and 7, it says, The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die, because he had made himself the Son of God. Now, it says, so Therefore, when Pilate heard that, saying he was more afraid, and went again into the praetorium and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate said unto him, Are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have power to crucify you and power to release you? What did the scripture say when the Jews came and said, We want to kill this man because he said he was the son of God. If you were a pagan and believed in multiple gods and multiple families of gods and son, that's going to scare you. What if he is a god? What if he's the son of a god? And that's what it said. He, was, he had fear. It scared him. So he brought in Jesus and he started questioning him and Jesus wouldn't answer him and he said, don't you know I have the power to crucify you or set you free? I guarantee you the hair on Pilate's neck stood up when Jesus said you could have no power at all against me unless it's been given to you from above. Jesus had authority. Pilate recognized it. Pilate was already shaken 
And now he realizes that Jesus is not going to cower down to him. Jesus is not going to be the weak person that he thought he was. We know that his wife of Pilate came to him and sent him saying, Have nothing to do with this just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. His wife was coming, and if you're a pagan and you believed in dreams and you believed in multiple gods and you believed in multiple gods' family, here's my wife come and say, man, I've had dreams. Don't have anything to do with this guy. Stay neutral. Stay away from him. Don't get there. If you remember that Paul also talked to another leader, Felix, and Felix in Acts 24 and 25, and as he reasoned for righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled. Scared. Pilate was trying to stay neutral. Pilate did everything he could to be neutral, but Pilate now realized that there is some substance here. Something is going on, and he was fearful. So what did Pilate do? When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that tumult was arising, he took water and washed his hands. Before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just one, see you to it. You know, maybe he didn't know whether Jesus was a son of a God or not. He didn't understand what was going on, but he wanted to make sure that Jesus saw that he washed his hands. Don't put it on me. And then he told the leaders, don't put it on me. I've washed my hands. If you're going to do something, you do it. Not my responsibility. I'm going to stay neutral. Unfortunately for Pilate, And for all the people of the world who want to stay neutral and not get involved, stay out of religion, stay out of Christianity, want to just live their lives, there's the judgment coming. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. There will be a time when nobody will be neutral. There will be a time that we will all recognize that Jesus is who he said he was. And he wasn't the son of God's. He was the son of God. So you can't be neutral. It doesn't work. Well, let's talk about the thieves. They were there on the cross. There were two. To me, these two thieves represent... Mankind really in general, in desperate need of something. We talk about how that Jesus was crucified a horrible death on the cross. But do we remember that these two thieves suffered the same thing? This was not going to be a good afternoon for these two men. But they both approached Jesus from a different aspect. With him they also crucified two robbers, one on his right and the other on the left. So the scriptures were fulfilled which saith, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And you can find that in Isaiah if you read further in the 53rd chapter. One of the criminals who was hanged blasphemed him saying, if you are Christ, save yourself and us. You know, there were the Jewish leaders and other people and the soldiers as well that were taunting Jesus. We're saying bad things about him as he was there on the cross. And this thief picked up on it, I guess. Says he blasphemed. He didn't really want Christ to save him. He was mocking him. But there was another 
thief there. And the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do not, do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing wrong. There are people in the world today, more back then, that totally reject Christianity. Totally reject the fact that there is a God. Totally reject any kind of religion. And they mock it. And yet the other thief is like most of us in this congregation today. They looked at Jesus, we look at Jesus, and we see a Savior. We realize that we spiritually are lost. We realize that we desperately need help. Ian, a month or so ago, talked about this, and I hadn't really rationalized it in my mind until he talked about the fact that this seat had to know quite a bit about Jesus. Either he'd heard him speak or saw his miracles or maybe his disciples. We don't know, but, but he knew who Jesus was. And he knew that he could save him. That takes a lot of faith and a lot of belief. So on one hand, we have one that rejects any type of Savior and the other one that begs for salvation. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say unto you, today you will be with me in paradise. I love the word assuredly. You and I that are believers in Christ, you and I that follow after the gospel and do the things that he has asked us to do and strive to do our best, assuredly, we have a place in heaven. Why? Because he said so. Assuredly, today, you will be with me in paradise. Talk about the Jewish leaders for a moment. I think when you really look at them and you look at as a group of people in the world, the Jewish leaders were envious of Christ. They had great pride in themselves and they hated him they didn't like him at all we know here in mark 15 and 6 now at the feast it was he, he was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them speaking of Pilate, whomever they re- requested and there was one named barabbas who was chained with his fellow rebels They had committed murder in the rebellion. Then the multitude, crying aloud, began to ask him to do just as he had always done for them. But Pilate answered, saying, Do you want me to release you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. He was getting into their parade. They were looking for a Messiah that would conquer the Romans that would throw them out that would set up a kingdom and they were saying man if we can do this look at the position and the office we'll have well what did they get they got Jesus Jesus preached love he preached forgiveness he didn't preach conquering the Romans 
The Jewish leaders were proud. We are the sons of Abraham. We are the leaders of God's chosen people, the Jews. And Jesus said, you hypocrites. He also told the people to do what they said because they are reading the law, but don't do like they do. For that reason, they hated him. He was going to get into their power. They didn't like the fact that people were following Jesus and not following them. Envy, pride, and hatred. It says there at the cross, and those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads, and saying, you will destroy the temple and build it in three days. Save yourself if you are the Son of God. Come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priest also mocked with the scribes and elders and said, he saved himself, himself he cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him come down from the cross and we will believe him. Have you ever thought about it? If Jesus just sort of stepped off the cross, what would they have done? They'd have choked. But on top of that, I don't believe that they would have believed him. He didn't fit their mold. They would have found some other excuse to maintain their power. They would have maintained, they would have had envy on them. And one of the reasons I say this is look back in John, the 12th chapter, and we find that when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, how great a miracle is that? How great does it show the power of Jesus Christ? But here in John 12 and 9 it says, Now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he was raised from the dead. But the chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to death also. Because on account of him many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. These people hated Jesus so much and wanted power so much that this man who did nothing to them but was raised from the dead, they wanted to kill him. He was in their way. The saying that power corrupts and absolutely power corrupts absolutely, it did for the Jewish leaders of that day. If they couldn't run the show, their pride wasn't going to let anybody else do it. Paul said in Philippians 3 and 18, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies in the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. These people wanted an earthly kingdom, and they wanted to be part of running it. James 4 and 6 says, but he gave more grace. Therefore, he said, God resists the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. Therefore, submit to God. I have a very good friend who knows a lot about the scriptures. But he told me, he says, I've always done it myself. I've never relied on anybody else. Anything that came along, I handled it. I did what I could. If I made mistakes, well, I made the mistake. And I just can't hand that over to Jesus. His pride in his own ability is keeping him from acknowledging the Lord. The pride of these leaders that were there were keeping them from understanding who Jesus really was. I like talking about the soldiers. 
there are a lot of people in this world that remind me of the soldiers. They had no spiritual expectations. Think about that. Someone that's raised in a family that doesn't go to church, doesn't talk about religion, nothing along that line. Well, they were raised up in their children who've never gone to church, never talked about religion, never thought about God. That generation continues to go that way, and they have no spiritual expectations whatsoever in their life. They're not looking for Jesus. They're not looking for Christianity. They're not looking for God. They just want to go about their life, and they're not expecting any spiritual needs. That's, that was the soldiers. At least that's what they reminded me of. For the soldiers, crucifying Jesus on the cross was a job. Wasn't their first rodeo. They took those three men out, and they put them on a cross, and they crucified them. It was their job. They were doing what they were supposed to. They didn't have anything in the game. They had no spiritual expectations whatsoever of Jesus. Now they led him away, and they laid hold on a certain man, Simon of Cyrenian, who Simon a Cyrenian, who was coming from the country. And on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. And when they had come to a place called Calvary, there they crucified him and, and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Just what they had done evidently in the past. Just a job. When they had come to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, place of the skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. I looked up gall and there's Various commentators have different ideas about it. But it's, when he tasted it, he would not drink it. We find in Mark, the 15th chapter, that they gave him wine mingled, and there it says with myrrh. If you remember, myrrh is one of the gifts that the three wise men gave to Jesus. It was myrrh. It was thought that the wine, which is alcoholic, and the myrrh would ease pain and the suffering. So they gave it to them. Jesus did not take. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts, to each soldier a part, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from the top in one piece. They said, therefore, among, among themselves, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scriptures might be fulfilled, which saith, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. We find that here in Psalms, the 22nd chapter, and 18th verse says, They divided my garments among them, and my clothing they cast lots. One of the things that I find very interesting in the story of Jesus on the cross and the people on the cross is the soldiers who had no spiritual expectation fulfilled more scripture than anybody else. They didn't realize they were doing it at the time, but... They divided, they divided up his garments. They threw lots for his coat. David said they were going to do that hundreds of years before. In John 19, it says, Therefore, because it was the preparation day, that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that the legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and the other who was crucified with him. Have you ever thought about this account? Again, these are seasoned soldiers, I'm sure. What do you think the thieves thought 
when they saw the guy coming was going to break his leg. In order to breathe on the cross, you had to stand up. Because if you slump down enough, your diaphragm doesn't breathe very well and it's very hard to breathe. So you have to stand back up to breathe. It was really a lot of pain on the feet, but that's what you had to do. When they saw the soldier coming, he's going to break their legs. They're going to officiate. They're not going to be able to breathe. Get the word right. Not going to be able to breathe and they're going to die in a matter of minutes. Soldiers didn't have anything in the game, you know it. Soldier went out and he broke their legs. I would hate to break somebody's leg on purpose. When they came to Jesus, though, they found that he was dead already. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with the spear and immediately blood and water came out. And he who had seen had testified and his testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may believe for these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. No one, not one of his, no one of his bones shall be broken. And again, another scripture saying, they shall look on him whom they have pierced. Again, this Roman soldier fulfilled prophecy that was given. Zechariah 12 and 10, And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. What a wonderful description of Jesus Christ. Then they looked on me whom they pierced. This soldier fulfilled that. In Mark 15 and 37, and Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two with top to bottom. So when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last, said, truly, this man was the son of God. Here was a man with no spiritual expectations, but he could look at Jesus and say, that's got to be God's son. Now, we don't know how that affected this man in, from that time forward. We don't know. But isn't it interesting that the first Gentile that we find in scriptures that obeyed the gospel was a centurion soldier. You and I as Christians need to take heart that we can talk to people who do not have any spiritual uh, expectations at all. And if they will listen, the scriptures can convert their hearts. And we need to realize that. Lastly, we're going to talk about those who believed a test of faith. What would, you, what would it have been like for you if you'd have been stood, standing there at the cross... You had believed that Jesus was the Son of God. You believed everything that he said. You had seen all his miracles. And I'm standing there, and he's dying. You and I have tests of faith every day. They did then, too. There were also women looking on afar, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the Less, and Joseph and, Joseph and Salome who also followed him and ministered to him when he was in Galilee, and many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. These were all devout people that had been with Christ for a while, and had, in this case, these women had served them and made, had the meals for, for him and his uh, disciples. There were also women looking on from afar off. Among them were Mary Magdalene. Luke 23 and 49 says, But all his acquaintances and the women who followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. How would you feel 
How would your faith be pushed? We find in John 19 where Jesus saw his mother and he made sure she was taken care of. He told his apostle he loved, we assume John, to take care of his mother. And it says that from that point on, John took her into his own home. Well, let's talk about mother, about the mother of Jesus, Mary. Before she conceived, there was an angel that came to her and said, Do not be afraid. You have found favor in God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and he shall be he call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. My son is dying on the cross. Were these promises true? What did the angel tell me? Speaking to the shepherds, the angel, the angel said, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born in, to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is called the Lord, who is Christ the Lord. And all those who heard it marveled of those things which were told to them by the shepherd. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. She suckled our Savior. She watched him grow as a child. She saw him as a teenager, a young adult. She had promises by angels. And he was dying on the cross. It was over. He wasn't going to be here anymore. What a test of faith that he had. Remember back, we talked about Lazarus. When Jesus was going to raise Lazarus from the grave, he was met by Martha. And he said, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection of life. He who believes on me, through, though he may die, he shall live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said unto him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. There were people that believed that Jesus was the Son of God. But what are they doing when he's hanging on the cross? Jesus tried his very best to prepare the apostles. And what did they do? They ran. They left. They disappeared. Because they couldn't understand. They couldn't grasp. Their face wasn't strong enough that what he was doing was what it was meant for him to do. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For the Jews request a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block, to the Greeks foolishness, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. You and I worship a Savior that from man's standpoint failed. He was crucified. He died on the cross. The difference is, is our Savior rose from the grave. It was his purpose in life to die for you and me. Which part of the group of people are you? Are you the group of people that believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Are you the group of people that want to stay uncommitted 
How about ones that just don't have any skin in the game? Not religious at all. That's not me. But you can't be noncommittal. You can't not do something about this one called Jesus. If you believe he is the son of God, then you must confess that. You must repent of your sins. You've got to have your sins washed away. If you don't do that, then you're not in the right group of people that can understand that the death of Jesus on the cross was the best thing that ever happened to mankind. I hope there's something in the lesson that you will remember and thank in the coming days. If there's someone subject to the gospel call, we ask you to come as we stand and sing a couple of the songs that are selected.